Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I just want to talk quickly about the role of martial heroes in wuxia settings. I also want to talk about uh, power levels in, in Wandering Heroes of Ogre because I've had some thoughts about that, and my, my views on it have changed over time, so I want to let people know where I'm at. Um, you know, it's we're not going to do a second edition anytime soon, but when we do, uh, you know, this is sort of where things would probably be. Uh, be pointing to in terms of how the game might be structured and how I might adjust things eventually for my own campaigns. So uh, I want to talk about uh, something I, I had mentioned it the other day, and basically I, I had brought up the subject of in in standard fantasy RPGs, you often have these discussions. If you you know if you go to forums or you've just you know talked to people after a game, you'll 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 come across this discussion where people wonder what impact a uh, like a 16th level wizard should have on a setting and and what role they would fill in society how society would be different and people debate this you know they they, they argue over whether settings have adequately addressed the issue um, you know you know whether it's the existence of, of, of high-powered magic users or whether it's just the existence of high-powered characters even a 14th level fighter in a in say a DD game is going to have uh, you know, tremendous uh, impact on the setting. Uh, and so, you know, I'm not uh, interested in addressing whether that's been adequately addressed in, in a typical fantasy RPG. It's just a subject that you, you know, if you game, you've heard of, you, you, see, you see it come up all the time. But I think in Wuxia, that is a, a topic or a question that's been answered um, by the writers. And the writers always sort of seem to have a pretty solid grasp on, on, on what, what role the heroes in this setting can play, how how they're used by people in power, and and not just that, but they even will quantify, you know, how powerful a person is in relation to say a group of soldiers. And so, uh, you know, Kenny and I are doing our our last five chapters on Return of Condor Heroes this Friday, and there's a, a massive battle in the uh, penultimate chapter that. Uh, where the Mongol forces are invading and Gua Jing and everybody else uh, is, is, you know, all the martial heroes that are pretty much still alive and still involved are defending the city with the soldiers. And, and it's interesting to sort of see, you know, that number one, soldiers still matter in a setting like this. So even though you have these magnificently powerful characters, there's, you know, and, and there's more, and there seem to be way more martial heroes on the side of the of the Song Dynasty. The, the they can't they can't overpower, uh, you know, the Mongols just by virtue of of, of having all these martial heroes. Um, and so, you know, you have this big battle, and th there are multiple scenes where it talks about, you know, like Yangoa throwing seventeen spears into guys, and you know, moving through the battlefield, and just you know, with the motion of his hand, waves of men sort of, you know, you just, you know, fall back. It, you know, these are incredibly powerful people, but the numbers also do occasionally get quantified. At one point later in the book, uh, after the battle, they're dealing with a couple of bad guys who are like martial heroes who are mercenaries for the, uh, for the Mongols. And, and these guys uh, trick a librarian at Shaolin Temple uh, by pretending that they're being attacked and harmed by Mongol soldiers, and then they're given shelter in Shaolin, and then they try to steal the Nine Yang manual, and so it leads to a whole confrontation. But Yang Guo, when he hears the story, 
he says, wait a second, that's that that can't be true. Like even even if like 40 or 400 uh, Mongol soldiers attacked you guys, they wouldn't be able to succeed. So, you know, just from that line alone, you kind of have a sense, okay, each of these guys can probably handle 20 to 200 Mongolian, I think it was actually officers. Um, so, it, you know, it's a uh, it, it's kind of quantified in that way, which I think is handy if you're trying to manage a campaign and you want to get a sense of what, you know, a character like Yango would be in the game that you're using. You can you can more easily uh, try to fit it to the system that you're playing in. Uh, but also just the idea that they 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 uh, they have these roles in in the society that there's that there's a there's a there's a you know and and again keep in mind this is a historic the novel is set in history but but it's done in such a way that the history makes room uh, to adjust for the existence of these martial heroes and. And so it, 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 and it's one of the things that really does make the the genre work. And again, every writer will kind of handle it differently. If you read a Gulong novel, things are are quite a bit different at times. But if you read uh, a Lewis Cha novel, especially the the Condor Heroes trilogy, you know there's a very there's a very sort of concrete world with with uh, where you, you know you have a very clear sense of, of 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 where the martial heroes fit in, and. And I feel like there have been adjustment made adjustments made to the setting, for uh, to to accommodate their existence, and so it's a it's a really good blueprint to use if you if you're trying to run a wuxia campaign, and and you want to get a sense of well, what you know what you know like what what effect do martial heroes have on 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 the politics on 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 society in general and on uh, you know just just in, just so that like you know if if a, if a if a if a powerful martial hero wanders into a town, what is the implication? How would people respond? And so, uh, again, you know, martial heroes they have. Uh, I mean, there's a scale of power that can go from very lowly to very high. But you know, at the higher end, these are people that you know, you know, like I was saying when we were talking about Li Mocha, where she's just walking around and burning people's homes and killing people and doing pretty much what she wants, unless another martial hero happens to stop her or unless like a whole army shows up and she's you know she has to you know run away but it it's uh it's pretty interesting and i think in 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 military situations it's most interesting because there you you still have regular soldiers who are essentially the mooks of the setting and you have the martial heroes and the martial heroes they function number one is heroic leaders like just the fact that you have a character like guo jing on scene at a battle is, is a huge boost for morale. But number two, uh, you have um, you know they function like tanks. They're uh, you know they're they're, they're they're and again it can obviously vary depending on the specific nature of the martial hero. There's a you know there's a great scene where uh, where the Eastern heretic you know uses his formation knowledge and his knowledge of the five elements to 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 for this 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 really interesting strategy and tactic that. Uh, is is difficult to describe, but very uh, uh, enormously cinematic when when you visualize it as you're reading it, and he, uh, and so, um, but but again, there, you know, he's he's using his advanced knowledge of martial arts, his advanced knowledge of Taoism, to place different martial heroes in leadership positions over soldiers, and then it's this beautiful coming together of sort of the the martial heroes kung fu and uh and the sort of normal uh tactics of 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 actual battle involving soldiers um 
but uh, but again, it's just uh, I think it's a uh, you know it's one of these things where where in Wuxia you uh, you know you it it the the question has been answered for you, and when you make your setting, it's 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 fairly easy to to uh, to structure it around some of those answers. And again, they're they're different depending on the books, um, but I think it's it's one of the things that I I just find it makes it very easy for me to sort of manage. Uh, you know all of the different character roles and 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 all of the responses by the government officials and things like that and so and over time you know the longer you play you know obviously system is going to be important here if so if you're depending on what system you're using whatever system that is uh, you know you, you're going to have to get a sense of what the different power levels mean um, and that kind of brings me into my next topic because uh, I've been I've been you know I've been playing Ogre Gate now for a very long time and you know I, I we released it in 2016 and it's it's still amazing to me that we're now getting into 2018 and it's almost two years that it's been released but uh but that's given me a lot of time to you know to to sort of reevaluate some things in it and one of the things that has occurred to me is the um uh the the uh Hi, sorry about that. So this is, uh, I normally don't uh, put my recordings together and splice them. I usually like to just do things in one recording session, but there was an interruption. So I'm going to have to splice this together with the previous half of the conversation. Um, and so what I was trying to say was that um, I think that my views have changed on power levels uh, in Wandering Heroes of Overgate. I used to see six as like a really distinct cutoff point where you just wouldn't have characters that are seven or eight roaming around the Zhanghu. Um, and as I've played the game longer and longer, I realize there's plenty of space for characters that are seven, eight, nine, even rank 10 in, in the Zhanghu. I think once you get up to 10, that's when you really start to, you know, that's when the characters would start sort of retreating more. But at Chi rank seven or eight, you're still sort of in this initial profound master phase. And so I was really thinking about it, especially because the reason I called these characters Profound Masters in the first place was uh, the translation of Return of Condor Heroes that I had read was um, had described uh, Reverend Jin Loon's Kung Fu as reaching a profound stage. And the word profound kept coming up in the translation. It also kept coming up in one of the television series versions of it that I was a fan of. So... That stuck in my head, and that's that's where I uh, that that was sort of my benchmark for uh, what a what what that level would mean. But then I I started to realize as I was reading the as I was reading the uh, the story again for the podcast, I was sort of analyzing the character power levels and just I don't know, just trying to you know imagine Jin Loon as a is a chi rank seven character and i realize he's probably more like anywhere between eight and ten like that's really where his power level is and he's still part of this world and i think i think the greats in the setting again if i did it again i'd have the greats be more at the seven or eight power level i think um and so you know that's just something that i just you know over time you know uh learned from the campaign now the way that i've because you know it it's sort of like once you establish something, you sort of are locked into that. Like, you know, I've established the Banyan region and 
Lady Plum Blossom is called out, I think, as the most powerful character in that area. And, you know, the marsh, one of the most powerful he, martial heroes in general. And so I realized, well, I don't have a lot of room to expand there. So with Ogre Gate Inn, what you saw was I started adding in more Chi Rank 7 and 8 characters. And my justification in my campaign setting is the closer you get to the Empire, the martial heroes that exist there, because the Empire is corrupt and run by an evil emperor who tries to uh, turn any martial heroes you can find into these Yao, which are people who have had their heart cut out under a grotesque ritual. And so uh, the closer you are to the heart of the Empire, you're either a Yao or you're really smart and clever and keep a low profile. Like maybe you're, you know, really... Uh, you know, like you're a character who occupies a gray zone where you're a martial hero, but you're you're like a, a leader of a of a smuggling organization or something. And you uh, and, 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 you know, she ranked three or four and you're useful to the emperor is just, a you know, in the, as that kind of a person. So characters like that might might remain characters that are in hiding and are really smart right remain so you might have a chi rank five character who just you know knows how to kind of play things and doesn't uh you know doesn't doesn't uh have to flee to the banyan or something but the characters who can just kind of roam and generally not be as afraid of the characters who are chi rank seven or higher so i think i think that uh uh having characters like that present is 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 uh something that's totally viable the closer you get to the empire and so that's and that's what I've done. I've also, when we get to War of Swarming Baggage, you'll see there's a whole city of really powerful martial heroes, a whole city of them. And and they can exist there because, you know, it's a city that's, you know, dominated by these powerful martial heroes. And there's something special about the city that sort of almost requires that the, the, the that there be martial heroes there. Um but yeah, so I've just had some different thoughts and ideas about this, and I've adjusted the way I do things. And again, it's really been that that length of time of just you know running a number of campaigns over over you know long term, um, you know with a specific system. I've run a lot of uh, you know Wuxia campaigns before I did Ogregate, but there's a there's a difference once I you know sort of locked into a system doing it over a long period of time and week to week to week to week. Uh, before Ogre Gate, when I would run Wuxia campaigns, they would generally be like six month stretches is what I found. That was sort of my ideal with those kinds of campaigns. And, uh, when I got into Ogre Gate, my, one of my goals was to make it last longer. I wanted a longer term sort of, uh, you know, I wanted to be able to do like a, you know, one, two, three, four year campaign without having to worry. And so far I've, you know, I've, I've, I have campaigns now that have been, Let's see, what's our, our longest ongoing campaign right now is I think the Disposable Disciples is the longest week-to-week campaign. That's at like session 82 or 83, I think. So that's getting in on, you know, two years. And that itself is actually a continuation of an earlier campaign that was about a year long, I think. So, uh, you know, so there's... Uh, so and, 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 and that game group goes back to before Ogregate came out. And I also have my Saturday group, which also goes back to uh, before Ogregate came out. But that's bi-weekly, so it's technically half the amount of, of, of game time. Um, but in terms of the length of time, uh, you know, it's getting in on two or three years now at this point. So I, I just, you know, and again, uh, you know, I, I, to me that was just very important. And so I'm glad that I've, I've been 
that I've now had a chance to really sort of examine this over this length of time. And, and I think that it's, uh, it's given me, uh, you know, uh, you know, ways to sort of approach the setting that are, uh, that account for, you know, these, these, you know, chi rank seven, chi rank eight characters. And so what I've been, what I've been doing is I've just been, uh, you know, I've been, I've basically had those kinds of characters sort of filling the role of like, if, if the characters bump into somebody who's like Yangua at his peak, that's like a chi rank eight character in the setting. Um, and every once in a while, they'll just, you know, there'll be some, you know, really powerful character who's roaming the Zhang Hu and is, uh, you know, capable of, 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 a lot greater things than the typical player character at this point. So uh, we had a, a situation on Sunday, and I think I put the session log up, if you if you go and check it out, for Disposable Disciples, where uh, one of the characters had killed somebody uh, called Divine Astrologer Zhu. And he, and he had this sort of earthquake-detecting device that was massive, big bronze device with a bunch of dragon heads on it. And, and uh, it was... It was, uh, and he would, you know, use it as a weapon, and uh, and he could generate earthquakes with his steps. He was a really powerful guy, but he wasn't chi rank eight or nine, I think. I think he was a little bit lower than that, but he was still powerful. And they ended up killing him, and one of his friends, uh, whose name escapes me, uh, I know his, I know his, uh, his personal name is something like De Tong, but I can't remember his, uh, um, uh, his surname. Uh, but he's a, he's a really powerful character. And, and he came to the residence of one of the PCs and the PC had a very powerful asset, uh, a woman named Hua Yin, who's, she's more than a normal woman, but she's, 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 she's spirited, but, uh, but she's been very, very useful. And this guy immediately as the, you know, as things started going to hell and the uh, discussion fell to combat, he pulled out a bowl and just sucked her into it, which Again, in the game, that's a you know even even a character that's a really skilled demon hunter is going to have trouble doing something like that, uh, and so you know next session we'll find out what happens. But again, it's a uh, um, I don't know. I, I think uh, you know that's that's sort of where I see the that a character of that power level is sort of my benchmark for this is the most powerful character you'd probably encounter in the Zhang Hu unless you happen to bump into like an immortal or something. So. So yeah, so I've been a little bit more open to to uh, to things like that, and and also I think I know I mentioned this before, but I think you'll see I'm working on a um, on a campaign book. It's sort of like a module, but it's it's a little bit more streamlined and succinct. Like all of the entries are really tight and short, and they're not intended to be flowery. They're just intended to be there so that you have information, and there's a lot of material there. Uh, and I've been incorporating, initially it was going to be very Gulong inspired, but then as I was getting back into Return of Condor Heroes, it got a lot more Louis Cha. And that worked out really well because uh, I, I, I originally what I wanted for this module was I wanted to scrub out all the supernatural elements. And uh, something about the way Louis Cha approaches supernatural in Wuxia works. It's, uh, it's, 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 you know, you, it's sort of like on the cusp of what would be acceptable. And, and so I decided to kind of take a, uh, a lesson from that. So you have stuff like the divine eagle, this giant eagle that, uh, you know, is intelligent and trains, uh, uh, Yangua in a, in a style of martial arts. It's, 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 it's almost like a mythical animal. That's the, but it's, but it's still, 
it's still on the cusp like the way it's described it could you know you could still sort of believe that there's this you know there's just this really big eagle that happens to be somewhere in the mountains um you know and maybe we don't have them anymore but this was the last of you know of a of a species of eagle or something or just a, a very special eagle uh but it's it's never clearly laid out exactly what it is um and so so i've, I've taken that sort of approach uh, and, and obviously the Yao, the Yao are present because it's in, in the empire. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I know I was just rambling a bit, but that, that, those are some of my thoughts on that subject. I'm going to, uh, post a more coherent blog post and this will accompany it. And, uh, also, uh, we're going to be doing a mass release of the Legend of Ogregate books. Uh, uh, Deathblade is, is written the final chapters. He's going to do a mass release. Then we're going to, uh, you know, uh, do some interesting things with them in the future, which I'll get into once I've sort of conferred with him and found out more specifics. But uh, but go and check that out at Wuxia World. It's it's the it's the complete backstory for Wandering Heroes of Orgy. It gives you the sort of the the original story of Sunan and Bao, and I found it tremendously useful in my own campaign. So I would encourage people to go check that out. And this Friday we're going to be doing fourteen Amazons. It's available on Prime. We're trying to do some of our stuff that's available on prime so people can go there and watch it because we know a lot of people have that but also things that aren't on prime so when they're not on prime i'll tell you um you know hopefully they're movies that you you would have access to but if not you can at least listen to the the podcast and get a sense of what the movie's about and then from there decide if you want to see it uh 14 amazons is one i would i would strongly recommend checking out um i'll talk about it more on friday but it's a really interesting film and it's it's about the women of the yang family who sort of get up and go to war when when uh, when the uh, uh, the when when when, when the uh, Western Shah are invading and uh, and one of their family uh, the like the, the last you know male general is uh is, you know is killed in battle and they it's it's just spectacular I'm, I'm butchering the, the the plot but uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a really great movie and it's got some brutal brutal martial arts scenes in it like the the it, it's about you know it's, it's about a group of female uh uh heroes who, who who go to sort of you know get revenge for their uh the fallen yang and also to drive back the western shah and you know the, one of the things i like about it and again i'll get into this on friday is it's is 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 i feel like it's 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 more even-handed when you have the if if you if if you're gonna have strong female characters like that, showing that they're also uh, you know just as capable of taking the punishment as they are as dishing out the uh, the damage. That that's the part about this movie that's striking. It's very unflinching in that respect, but I think it is effective. And and so we'll talk about that on Friday. And again, uh, you know you can uh, you can check out me and Adam's. Uh, Babylon 5 podcast we're coming to the end of that and you can also check out uh, me and Kenny's final return to Condor Heroes discussion on uh, uh, on Friday as well so alright I will I will let you go and I will talk to you later